when he sings that song into one of my favorites that he sings. Uh, well, Happy New Year. Can you believe that it is 2022? And um, like what Brother Forrest said, uh, no matter what's happened last year, no matter what's happening this year, uh, hope hasn't changed. Uh, our hope is in Jesus, and uh, thankful for that, as I know you are uh, this morning. Matthew chapter number 9, Matthew chapter number 9 this morning. If anybody happened to um, see or pick up a box of greenery, we are missing a box of greenery. Uh, so I'm hoping that somebody moved it somewhere uh, or used it for something else. Uh, it was over there in the fellowship hall, and it is uh, MIA. And so um, if you uh, know where that is, uh, if you could see Ms. Sherry uh, about that, uh, that would uh, uh, be a help and uh, a blessing, and thank you, uh, uh, thank you for that. Again, next week, uh, next Sunday, we'll be handing out these um, they're not calendars, it's just kind of a list, but it's dates of what's going on. Uh, at the end of March, very excited about having um, an uh, evangelistic evangelist family come. Going to be doing a Bible conference for us uh, at the end of March. They're coming uh, to be with us uh, and uh, going to have a couple... Um, uh, I, wouldn't, I don't want to call them sings, but opportunities for music. Right now, working on um, uh, having uh, Jacob and Maylin uh, come, and excited about that. Uh, thought about calling it Leparachi Sunday, but I passed on that. And so, uh, his last name is Leparachi, uh, but uh, you, you remember him, and he came, and um, man, he could just play that piano, and they sing, and he preaches, and, and uh, trying to coordinate a, a time where we can have, uh, now we're getting, we're getting even creative, you'd be proud of me, uh, going to have him on a Sunday uh, to speak, but then have him and May Lynn do a, like a little concert on Saturday, and uh, do all singing, and, and um, so we got that in the mix, and um, got... Um, Working on getting Brother Randy's group going to come and uh, do some music for us as well. And uh, lots of things, lots of things on the calendar. Uh, we, I'm telling you, we went through the calendar and we talked about Mother's Day and Father's Day and Grandparents' Day. And we talked about Valentine's Day. And I mean until I'm all day Thursday. By the time it was over with, my head hurt, and I needed a nap. And, uh, but we got all these things uh, down and ready to give you. And so um, uh, I know a lot of people really like to plan ahead. Uh, I know some of us tend to be fly by the seat of our pants, but a lot of us like to kind of put it on the calendar and find out when things are going to be so we can schedule. Uh, scheduling a seniors, senior adult trip to the wilds this year. And so haven't done that in a while. And so, um, uh, so lots of things there, and uh, we'll go through some of those tonight. 
Hope you'll be back in the services with us tonight. Uh, tonight, I'm just going to kind of, I did it, I did it, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, but I just kind of shared my heart, shared my vision a little bit. Uh, we're going to do that tonight in the evening service, so I hope you'll be back uh, uh, in the services this evening. I just really want to uh, share what, you know, Lord's laid on my heart about 2022 and some of the things that we want to do and some of the things that I want to uh, that I want to see uh, happen uh, in 2022, and so um, uh, just going to be um, a little bit, in, a little bit more informal tonight. And uh, so, hope you'll be able to be back uh, and um, share in uh, that time. We um, are cranking Sunday school back up. I've had a couple of people ask. Uh, we were planning on the beginning of the month, but then uh, we did have. Uh, a uh, little bit of sickness in the church, um, so we slowed it down just a little bit. Uh, so the 16th, the 16th of this month, uh, we'll uh, be back in Sunday school, and uh, we are going to continue with the 9 o'clock Sunday school, 10 o'clock morning service, and um, there's going to be one change I want you to, want you to know about. Um, we're going to have our auditorium class, where the Tom's going to be teaching that. We're going to have um, uh, our, our uh, Brother Dwayne's Sunday school class. We're going to have our um, young adults, young couples uh, Sunday school class. Brother Forrest will be teaching. We'll have our children's classes. But until probably after February, maybe March time frame, um, we are going to hold off on the ladies' Sunday school. Not, it's not that we're not going to have it. We're just gonna uh, we're just gonna pause just for a little while uh, on that and um, get that cranked up. Probably March timeframe. I'm not. I'll let you know the date when it comes. But there's three different classes that the ladies can go to until we get that uh, cranked back up. And uh, so uh, just make you aware of that for Sunday school and do pray. Uh, we've been mentioning it uh, on Wednesday night and in, in the prayer room as well. But do uh, do pray for Miss Dawn, and uh, she has been having uh, quite a few medical issues um, that probably most uh, don't know about. And uh, so just uh, pray for her. And there's some tests and different things that she's uh, that are coming up and that she's going to be having. And so if you would remember her uh, to the Lord in prayer. And uh, I know many of you already have been. All right, Matthew chapter number 9 this morning. Matthew chapter number 9. Let's um, read just a few verses uh, this morning. And I want to preach you a, miss, uh, 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 a message that kind of precurses what I'm going to talk about tonight uh, when it comes to vision. When it comes to vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Right? So it's good to have a vision of what you're going to have a goal of what you want to see done, a goal of what. Now, I'm going to pass out um, these, these calendars, right? So I've got all these dates on here. Does it mean 100% that those things are going to happen on those dates? Who knows? I mean, I have, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, when, 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 when COVID hit, nobody was saying, you know what? The next couple of years are going to be messed up because of a pandemic. Nobody, nobody said that was going to happen. Nobody even knew. I told Brother Appleby, I talked to him on the phone for quite a little while as, as he's coming in the 27th of, of February. And I said, Brother Appleby, I said, he was the dean of students and taught several classes while I was there at college. And I said to him, 
Brother Appleby, they never taught a class on how to handle a pandemic as a pastor. He said, they sure don't. I said, maybe they ought to introduce a class in Bible college on how to handle a pandemic. And so, um, but, you know, we, you don't know what's going to happen. And by the way, it's not just a pandemic. I mean, there's incidents and there's, there's problems and there's accidents and there's all sorts of things that come up in life that, um, that make a change necessary. But, I, but I'm here to tell you, just because those things happen doesn't mean we shouldn't have a goal. It doesn't mean we shouldn't have a vision for what's going to happen in the future. What, um, what we want to see done. What we want to see accomplished. Now, that shouldn't only occur in our churches, but that should occur in our lives as well. Where do you want to be? Do you ask yourself this at the beginning of the year? Where do I want to be at the end of 2022 spiritually? You know, we don't ask that question, and, and therefore, you know what happens? We stay where we are spiritually at the beginning of the year as we do at the end of the year. Do you, you know, there's so many reading plans out there that you can read through the Bible every year, you know, in a year. You ever, you ever, you ever do one of those? Because, you know, I want you to know something. To read through the Bible in a year is a lot of reading. If you've never done it, it's a, that's a lot of reading. And so what do you got to do? You've got to be disciplined. You've got to have a vision. You've got to say, you've got to have a goal. This year, I'm going to read through the Bible in a year. You ever do this? You ever read through your Bible? You read through your Bible several years, and you say, this year, I'm going to read through my Bible twice. Try it. I'm talking about, I'm not talking about studying. I'm not talking about all those things are different. I'm not, I'm going to read through my Bible. You ever decide this? I'm going to read through my Bible this year through a devotion. And you can get devotionals and you can get things that you can read through the Bible and then you can read the devotion and set a goal. Because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. I mean, if you have no goals, if you have no aim, if you have no vision... What is he talking about? When they perish, they just wither up. Do you know how many people, do you know how many Christians wither up and die spiritually every year? Because they have, they have no vision of what they want to see in the future. You know, you struggle with things. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because we all struggle with things. I mean, I, I may not know what that thing that is you struggle with, but we all struggle with something. You know, pray this year. This year, I'm going to work on. This year, I want to see God do. This year, I have a loved one that's unsaved. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to work on him. Now, I'm not saying that that person's going to get saved. I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect by the end of the year. But I'm telling you, if you don't have a goal, you'll never hit it. So get a goal. You know, <clears throat> I've done this before. When I was in college, you had to read through the Old Testament in one semester. Now, I don't know if you've ever done that. And you think that might be easy. But I'm here to tell you, that's a lot of... Matter, matter of fact, in the semester, it was 10 chapters a day, every day. 10 chapters a day, every day, without missing. And so I thought to myself, well, I can handle that, ain't no problem. And so I read 10 chapters, and well, then I got busy. And I missed a couple days. Then I'd read 10 chapters, and I got... 
Towards the end of the year, I was a lot of chapters behind. And when you get to the begats, you ever read the begats? You ever read those names? Nobody has ever mispronounced those names more than this guy right here. They didn't say you had to pronounce the names properly. just said you had to say the names. And begat Shabbat and God begat Shabbat and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, and you got to read and read and read. Here's the goal. This is what you need to do. You get off that goal. Guess what? You get in trouble, right? So what do we need? Let me tell you what we need. We need a vision. Look what he says uh, here in Matthew chapter 9. We need to get the vision for Jesus. We need to get a vision for Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. In the book of Philippians, the Bible says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What we need as a church, what we need as families, and what we need as individuals is to get a glimpse, to get a vision of who Jesus really is. What is our goal? I mean, ultimately, what is our goal as a Christian? Our ultimate goal as a Christian, first things first, our ultimate goal as a Christian is to glorify and honor the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? But what should be our goal day by day? Our goal day by day is to, is to be like Christ. That, that ought to be my goal and your goal is to be more like Jesus. As a born-again child of God, we should desire to be like Jesus. But if you don't know anything about Jesus... How in the world could you be like him? You ever have a maybe a hero of the faith, or when you were growing up, you looked at a, a, a sports figure and you, you said, you know, one one day, one day I'm gonna play basketball like Mike. You know, one day I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna do like, I'm gonna. But let me tell you something. If you don't know anything about that person, how can you be like that person? Right? You gotta know about them. You gotta know who that person is to be able to be that person or to be like that person. There are people in my life, you know, of course, Christ is first and foremost, but there are other people in my life who I have been able to um, glean things from and 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 pattern some of the things that I do and learn from because I've read about them. I read their biography. Or I knew them personally. There are things that, that, that I say or things that I do in my life that, that I've picked up from other people. Do you know often you say, you ever say this when you grow up? By golly, when I get older, I will never be like my parents. Anybody ever say that? Two of you? Bunch of liars. <clears throat> I'm never going to... And guess what happens inevitably? Some way... 
Somehow. Now, maybe not 100%, but some way or somehow. I mean, we pick up this trait or we pick up that trait. And sometimes those are good traits. Sometimes those are bad traits. I mean, and we pick them up. Why? Because, let me tell you, we often become who we know best. Think about that for a second. We often become who we know best. My wife says it all the time. That the children are acting just like you. That's usually not in a good light, usually. They're being stubborn or they're being hard-headed. Or, and I'll often be out and they'll do something and I'll say, they're your children. You ever, you ever do that? You ever say that? You know, because why? They inevitably become more and more, more and more like us. Why? Because they're around us all the time. They see us all the time. They know us best. You want to know something about Joe Springer? Go ask my children. Seriously. Go ask my children. Why? Because my children, my wife, know me best. Why? Because I'm around them the most. And they know me. Now, they don't bother because they've already been trained not to tell you anything from a very small child. It's actually pretty funny. In our previous church, <clears throat> they were little. Children tell all. If you haven't trained your children, you better train them before it's too late because they'll tell everything. And uh, so we used to, after church, we'd tell our kids, eh, come on over here, right here, right here, right here. Why? Because some adult inevitably will say something, and our kids will say, yeah, guess what, daddy, blah, 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 blah. You did what? No, 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 she was kidding. Get over here, you know. But you know, the people that are closest to us know us the best, and we become like the people that we're closest to. You know why we're not like Jesus? Hmm. Isn't that an interesting thought? What? Why aren't we more like the one that is the most important person to us in our life? And let me tell you, it's two reasons. One, we're not close to him. And two, we don't know anything about him. You remember those bracelets came out? And those shirts and hats? And they made a great big thing about it. WWJD. Remember those? What would Jesus do? It became a fad. You know, it was a, it was a fad that came in and kind of, kind of bounced back out. But let me tell you something. It was one of those fads that I think should have always been in and should still be in. Because we ought to consider what would Jesus do. In this circumstance, what would Jesus say? In this circumstance, what would Jesus do? Do you realize that it would save you a lot of heartache? If before you opened your mouth, you said, I wonder what Jesus would say in this situation. Before you started fussing, before you put the person that did you wrong on, the, on your blacklist, or before you did any of those things, you'd say, wait a minute, I wonder how Jesus would handle the situation. Before you went into a meeting, I've been in some meetings now. I've been in some doozies of meetings. You know what? I, I fared a lot better when I went in with a Jesus attitude than with a Joe Springer attitude. Really? You know why? Because let me tell you something about human, the, the human nature. We're easily offended. And we're easily reactionary. Somebody does something to me, watch out. Now, you, it, it, it's just, just, just a heads up. Right, just a heads up. 
You can say what you want about me. You can do what you want about me. You start talking about my wife and kids. Joe Springer starts coming out. I'm not, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not, I'm not telling you it's the right thing. I'm just telling you it happens. Because we are human by nature. And so what do we need to do? Every single day, not just at the beginning of the year, but at the beginning of every single day. We need to get a vision of who Jesus is and how Jesus can change our lives. Because I'm here to tell you, Jesus can change your life. If you're not saved this morning, can I tell you this morning, Jesus can change your life. How do I know that? I know that two ways. First and foremost, I know that because the Bible tells me so. You know, the Bible says that Jesus came into this world and he, and, he, and he bled and died upon the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day so that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. Amen. It was a great day in my life Amen. when I bowed by my rack on the USS Jack Williams and asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and life for the forgiveness of my sins. And let me tell you something. Jesus forgave me and He changed my life. I'm not saying from that day to this I've been perfect by any stretch. But I am telling you from that day to this, I am forgiven. And it makes all the difference. You see, my hope is in Jesus. My hope isn't in my good works. My hope isn't in some kind of system. My hope isn't in uh, a, a, a Baptist church. My hope isn't in confirmation. My hope isn't in baptism. My hope is in Jesus and Jesus alone. And He changed my life. He can change your life too. But I want you to know something. After we're saved... You see, that's the first step. So many times people try to get the cart before the horse and they're trying to work and trying to work and trying to work and trying to work. Your work is in vain without Christ. It's in vain. Without me, Jesus said this, remember in John, without me ye can do nothing. It's not about my work. It's not about what I've accomplished. It's about what Jesus Christ has accomplished. It's about what Jesus Christ has done. And He died on the cross for me. He died on the cross for you because John 3.16 says He died on the cross for the whole world. And so, understand this. Once we get that straight, now I'm saved. Now Christ is my Savior. Now Christ lives inside of me. Now, listen to me. Now, He can change my life every single day. Now, my sins are forgiven. I don't have to get saved again. Once you're saved, you're saved forever, okay? You don't have to get saved multiple times. So I'm saved, and now I know Christ is my Savior, but I want you to know something. Salvation is instantaneous. It happens immediately. There's nobody in here being saved. You're either saved or you're lost. When you get saved, it's instantaneous. I'm not waiting one day to be baptized by the Spirit. I'm not waiting one day to be slain in the Spirit. I'm not waiting one day for some kind of work to happen. When I got saved, I got baptized by the Spirit, and I became born again. I'm saved. I understand that. You're saved, and you're saved completely. There's nobody that's in the process. Now, I understand, because I understand the first time I heard the gospel, I didn't get saved. So I understand the concept of you hearing the gospel and conviction. I get all that. But I'm here to tell you, you're either saved or lost. And the whole time that you're being, sa- or being uh, uh, convicted, and the whole time that you're hearing the gospel and rejecting Jesus Christ, you're lost. You're not saved until you accept Him as your Savior. And now that I've accepted Him as a Savior, 
That's instantaneous. Sanctification is a process. Sanctification is a process. So let me tell you something. You ever seen the bumper sticker, don't judge me, I'm a work in progress? We're all a work in progress. Nobody here, listen to me, everybody here that's saved is positionally saved or perfect. I mean, you are perfect in Jesus Christ, but practically, we struggle. And we all struggle with different things. I mean, there are, there are times now, I've worked on it through, through the years, but man, I had, before I was saved, I had a wicked temper. I mean, a wicked temper. I would fight at the drop of the hat, and I would drop the hat. I mean, I, I just want to fight with anybody and everybody. I didn't care. I mean, you said something to me, and you got an earful, I can promise you. And after I got saved, you know, God started dealing with me with that. And dealing with me, and dealing with me, and dealing with me. And if I'm not careful, I can still fly off the handle just like that. You know, it's kind of like somebody that drinks alcohol, and drinks alcohol, and drinks alcohol, and drinks alcohol, and then they quit. And they quit, and they work on quitting, and they work on quitting. Let me tell you something. All it takes is one drink, and they're right back in the depths. And, that, and we use that... Like, like, like that's the only sin. But I'm going to tell you something. All sin's like that. And all it takes is one thing to happen, one thing to trigger us, and we're right back in. So what do we need? We need a vision of Jesus every single day. We need a goal every single day. This is what I want to see accomplished today. If we're going to get a vision for Jesus, then we need, number one, to see what Jesus saw. We need to see what Jesus saw. I love the psalmist said this, Open thou mine eyes, that I might behold wondrous things out of thou. Open up my eyes. Too often we either have our eyes closed spiritually, or we have tunnel vision. And what is tunnel vision? Tunnel vision is literally, take your hands and put them like this, and you don't see anything on there. You just see just right here. And I walk down the aisle, and I don't see anybody over there. I don't see anybody over here. Sometimes spiritually... We can get such tunnel vision that we miss. I mean, we get, you know, you know, what, you know how often we get tunnel vision? Let me tell you, we often get tunnel vision from, uh, from man. Man tells us this is what you need to believe. And this is all that you need to believe. And if you believe this and you're good, don't worry about anything else. And we get tunnel vision. Let me tell you something. And there's nothing wrong with following. The Bible says, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But if they're not following Christ, you better close your, not only your eyes, but your ears. If they ain't preaching from the book, if they ain't teaching from the book, if they're not showing you from the Word of God, if they're not talking about doctrine of the Word of God, you better be careful what you're listening to. We need to see, open up our eyes, and see what Jesus saw. Let me give you a couple things uh, this morning that Jesus saw. Number one, we need to see the problem. We need to see the problem. Doesn't that sound obvious? Doesn't that sound obvious to you? You know, so often people get no help because they don't see they have a problem. And if you don't see that you have a problem, you're never going to get help. I remember in the Navy, um, we went to boot camp, and um, it's an interesting thing, but you need to know how to swim when you go in the Navy. Wouldn't you think that would be obvious? Right? I mean... I wasn't a very smart guy, but I knew I'm going to join. 
If I don't know how to swim, I might join a different, like maybe the Air Force or the Army or... But Navy, water, swim. So we went. This is guy. He actually became one of the leaders in our, in our, um, in our division. And, and man, that guy could run and run and run and run. He can do push-ups until you throw up. He can do sit-ups. He could do pull-ups. I mean, he can do all these things. We went to the water. He got to go up on a platform. Get up on that platform. You got to get to the edge of the platform. You got to jump. You got to jump off of the platform into this Olympic pool. You got to tread water for so long, and then you got to swim around the Olympic pool so many times. No problem. I've swim in my whole life. I'd, I'd live in the water if I could. I, I love the water. Climb up. I mean, there's a line of us who climb up and get up to the edge, jump, jumped off, hit the water, treaded water. I'm in the water. I'm treading water waiting for the next guy. Here comes this guy. He comes up the ladder. He comes to the edge, jumps off like I did. Never been in the water his entire life. Find this out later. Hits the water right to the bottom. He ain't coming back up. He finally, your body makes you come back up. He comes up, he's flailing himself all over the place. I like, back myself away from him. I don't want to drown with him, you know. And so I'm back away from him. And he's flailing around. Well, they have these guys on the side of the pool with these long poles. And they'll, if you, something's wrong, they'll end up putting the pole next to you. You grab the pole, they pull you to the side. He's flailing himself around. Here's the pole. The pole's right next to him. He ain't grabbing the pole. He grabs the pole. He knows he's going to get set back. He ain't grabbing. He's just, uh, he's fine. I guess he considered that swimming. The, the buddy, that's drowning is what you're doing. I mean, he's inhaling water. I mean, finally, the guy took the pole and went, bow, and popped him right on the head. Man, my head hurt from that. And he grabbed the thing. But let me tell you something. He, he didn't realize he was drowning. So he didn't. He didn't need no help. Let me tell you something. If you don't see the problem, then you're blind spiritually. And I want you to know something about the problem. Let me give you, let me give you a couple things that's not. The problem, listen to me, the problem isn't the preacher down the road. The problem isn't the government. The problem, now, I, I, don't, I, I understand. I understand they contribute to the problem. I get it. They contribute to the problem of the country. I get they contribute to the problem. The, the problem isn't education. The pro- Let me tell you what the problem is. It's a three-letter word. It's called S-I-N, sin. That's a problem. It's been the problem since the beginning. That's the problem. We blame it on everything else and everybody else, but the problem is sin. We need to see the problem. We need to see the dwelling problem. Let me tell you. The Bible says in Romans chapter uh, 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. I want you to know something this morning. You're a sinner. Now, if you're saved, praise God, right? But let me tell you what you are. You're a saved sinner. God has saved you from sin. Now, good news. This is the best news of all. When God sees you, He sees Christ in you. He doesn't see your righteousness. He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of Jesus Christ is perfect. Your righteousness, Isaiah tells us, is filthy rags. That's the best we got. That's the best we bring to the table. 
but with Christ indwelling in us and his righteousness imputed to our account, that changes everything. See, Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And so when you stand before God, and Jesus, God sees you, He doesn't see you, He sees Christ, who is your attorney that, um, that saved you. So dwelling sin, we see dwelling sin, we see deceiving sin. Let me tell you something about sin. It's all the way, all the way back from the beginning. Genesis chapter three and verse four: "Ye shall not surely die." Now, what the serpent said? Listen, Eve. That God's just playing. You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna really die. That's not really what's gonna happen. And let me tell you, it's been happening ever since. People will use a portion of the truth if it takes using a portion of the truth to deceive you. I see it all the time. I hear it all the time. There are, there are belief systems out there who will take the Bible and they will prove to you from the Bible that what they're saying is so. And if you don't know anything about the Bible, you'll say, well, that makes sense. Why do you think so many people believe these I call them wackadoodle preachers. I mean, I mean, they just, it blows my mind that it, as I watch these preachers, I think to myself, nothing he's saying is right. But every once in a while, every so often, they'll take a verse, now usually out of context, but they'll take a verse and they'll pull it out and say, see, this is what the Bible says. And everybody says, oh, Okay, and I'm doing that emoji, you know, like, you know, you see that emoji where they go, and I'm going, what in the world is wrong with you? Let me tell you what's wrong is people are being deceived. They're being deceived left and right, and the reason we're being deceived is because of our lack of knowledge of the Word of God. Now, we believe there's not a person in this room, I guarantee it, there's not a person in this room who thinks who doesn't think that the preacher should study for his sermon? You ever seen one that doesn't? You can tell. And I'm here to tell you, we think that they should study, and we think they should study well, and we think that they should know their Bible, and I agree with you. But right back at you. Because I believe that we all should study to show ourselves approved. I think we all should know the Word of God, so that when I'm sitting here, and I'm listening to a preacher, and that preacher says something that's not right, I go, ding, 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 ding. Hold on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm, I might not find it right away, but something's not right about what he just said. Something's not jiving. Is it the Spirit of God or it's the Word of God? But something's telling me what he's saying is not right. I'm telling you, 90% of Christianity doesn't do that. Let me put Christianity in quotes, by the way. And I'm here to tell you, most people just believe everything that person says. Whether he's a man, whether he's a woman, or she's a woman, whether... We won't even get into that. That was a slip of the tongue. But anyways, the right one. But anyways, whoever they say, hey, whatever they say must be so, because they're the ones that studied. 
But why haven't we? Let me tell you why we haven't studied, because we haven't seen the problem. You see the problem, and you know the problem, and you know that problem is sin. I'm telling you, you know there's deceivers out there. You better be careful. And then let me give you the last one. Not only dwelling sin and deceiving sin, but destructive sin. Sin is destructive. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Death is the wages of sin. This is serious matter, and we need to open up our eyes and see it. 2022 is here, folks. Is there going to be problems? Yes. Is there going to be circumstances? Yes. Is there going to be sicknesses? Yes. All those things are a yes. All those things have always been a yes. All the way, all the way back to the beginning of sin. And so we face those things, and we see those things, but we only see them as, as problems. We don't see it as the root being sin. We need to be careful. He saw the problem being sin. Number two, he saw the problem being sorrow. He saw the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion. There's a lot of sorrow in this world. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of heartbreak. Why? Because there's a lot of difficulty in this world. I don't know what you faced in 2021. I have a, I have a, a, a guess of what we all faced in 2021. But I'm here to tell you, 2022, it, it doesn't get easier. Right? And as we get older in Christ, as we get more mature in Christ, we should be able to handle suffering better than we did when we were a babe in Christ. Is it interesting to you? Because it's interesting to me how we think as Christians sometimes. We think if that we're going to church, we're faithful, we tithe. I mean, when, when there's a work day, we show up. I mean, when, when the preacher asks me to do something, I do it. I mean, every once in a while, I'll, I'll give to a charity. But I, I mean, I'm doing all this. So therefore, this is the conclusion we come to even if we don't say it out loud. Therefore, I should never have to suffer. Now, some of us are shaking our head no because that's the correct answer. But I'm here to tell you, most people think that way. And how do I know most people think that way? Because I'm telling you, I often have church people telling me. I don't know what I did wrong. I don't know what more I can do. What? What? I mean, we have examples after examples after examples of people in the Word of God that suffered. I'm talking about godly people that suffered. Because I want you to know something. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Things happen to good people and to, 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 to sinful people. That's just, a, that's just the way it is. Look, look, look with me a couple things when it comes to sorrow. It will be done this morning. We see, when we look around, we see hurting people. We see hurting people. Job chapter 14. Job chapter 14, verse, verse number 1. He says, a man born of a woman is full of what? Trouble. Trouble, heartache, sorrows. Listen to me this morning. You were either born of a woman or someone found you under a rock. We were all born of a woman, right? And so understand this, uh, that if we're that person, then guess what? There's going to be troubles in our lives. Let's, let's, let's rewind to the New Testament. What does Jesus say? 
They have persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. That's what he said. He said that we're going to have troubles. We're going to have difficulties. We're going to have heartaches in our lives. But then he said in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You're going to have trouble, but don't let it be troubled. Don't worry yourself. Don't let it get you down. Don't let it get you depressed. There are so many Christians today, and listen to me, I'm not talking about some chemical imbalance. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about there's so many Christians today who have allowed the circumstances of life to render them useless. Render them completely useless. They don't want to do nothing. They don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't know what I'm, you don't know what I'm facing. You know all the physical battles that I'm going through. I want you to know, if I took a mic tonight and I pa- or this morning and passed it around, I promise you most of us in here could give a testimony or two about heartaches that we've been through. Hardships that we've been through. Recognize hurting people in this world. Recognize that they may need a listening ear. Oh, we're quick to straighten people out with our mouth. But we're a lot slower to listen to people's problems. Listen to people's heartaches. Oh, we have all the answers. Let me tell you, men are the worst. Men are the worst. I figured this much. I figured this out through 25 years of marriage. I figured this out. Sometimes she's crying for no reason. Sometimes she's crying because she wants you to fix something. Sometimes she's crying because she wants you to listen to her. But let me tell you what men are, by and far. Now, not 100%, but by and far, men are, fix it. What's the problem? Give me the problem. I got the solution. I'll fix it right now. I can't stand. Let me tell you, here's a crypt night for you. Okay, here's a little insight for you. I can't stand to see a woman cry. I absolutely can't stand it. It just... Tears me up. I can do a funeral, no problem. I'd look down and see mama, or I look down and see the wife cry. I gotta look away. I, just, I cannot stand seeing a woman cry. You know what? I want to fix it. I want. I want to stop her from crying. You know, sometimes we see so much heartache and we so see so much problems that we just close our eyes to it. We don't see it anymore. And so that you know what that happens? It hardens our hearts. It makes us not be compassionate anymore. Jesus saw the multitude and he was moved with compassion. He saw hurting people. We need to see hurting people so that we can help those hurting people. It's the sorrow of hurting people. The the sorrow of haunted people. I'm not talking about haunted by ghosts. I'm talking about haunted by their past. You know, so often people can't get past their past. I mean, they're just stuck. It's like getting stuck in the mud. If you've ever been in a vehicle and you don't have four-wheel drive and you got stuck in the mud, the harder you press the gas, the farther you're going to get stuck. At Wee Ones one time, I think I told you this, this is a lady, she just got done shopping and she went out and she got in, it was all soft out there, all wet in the grass, and she was parked out in the grass and she got in her uh, Denali. She got in her Denali and and she, uh, and she started going, and she started sinking and sinking 
and sinking. I said, woman, stop pushing the gas. She, put, she took that. You know, the dollars are up pretty high. She was all the way down to her bumper. She had dropped that thing so far down. Her husband had to come and literally dig her out of that hole. You know, often what happens in our past, we get so bogged down. You can't go forward if you're stuck in the mud. You can't go forward if you're stuck in the past. You need to, let me tell you what Albert Cliff said, you need to let go and let God. God has forgiven you, move on. God has forgiven you, forget your past. Let me tell you something about 2021. Here it is. You can't get it back. Anybody in here wish you could do something different in 2021? Hindsight's always what? Right? So hindsight's always 2020. So you look back and you think to yourself, yeah, I probably could have done that different. Oh, wait a minute. I know what I'll do. I'll just go ahead and re- I'll just go ahead and re- you know, fast forward or rewind and come back here and say, okay, I'm going to redo it now. And then it'll come. No, that doesn't work that way, does it? Why? Because in life there's no rewind button and in life there's no pause button. You don't get to stop and say, okay, wait a minute, let me think about this for a little bit longer. Let's just stop the time and go ahead and... No, it doesn't work that way. And so we need to get, get past the past and stop being haunted by our past. You remember, you remember um, the, uh, the, the prodigal son story? The story of the prodigal son? You remember he, he, he wasted all of his, his, his money on riotous living and he ended up living with the, with, with the, with the swine and eating with the swine and his, his life was a wreck. I'm here to tell you, he finally, the Bible says, he finally came to himself. It's a good day when you can come to yourself and you can realize, but you know what? He didn't think he was going to go back as a son. He thought he'd go back as a servant. He thought he'd go back as a slave in his father's house. Why? Because of his past. Because of what he's done. We're so bogged down. But preacher, you don't know what I've done. You know how many times I have people tell me that? Most people in here know my testimony. You'll never know all my testimony. Ever. I mean, it's under the blood, folks. It's forgiven. God has forgiven me. And can I tell you, if you're saved... God has forgiven you. It's under the blood. But you don't know what I do. I did. I don't need to know what you did. I'm not a priest. You don't have to come confess your sin to me. We can go directly to God. And we can go boldly before the throne of grace. And you confess to Him and get it off your chest. Take that care and cast it upon the Lord, as Peter said, and let Him have it so that you can go forward. But I did this. I don't care. But I did this. It's not my business. Understand something. It's under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's forgiven. Get past your past. Let me give you the last one. This morning when it comes to sorrow. Hurting people and haunted people and then hollow people. Hollow people. Empty. I mean, just emptied out. Remember the woman with the issue of blood? Remember that story? Well, I could preach a whole sermon on that story. What a great story that is. But she wasted all, everything she had on doctors, on, on, on people who, who she thought could fix her. I mean, she had nothing left. Nothing left. And then she went to Jesus. 
Just touch the hem of his garment. Instantly, she was made whole. Let me tell you something, church. We shouldn't try everything we have and then go to Jesus. We ought to go to Jesus first. Why? Because I'm telling you something. One of the worst kind of people is just an empty person. They're just emptied out of everything, and they're hollow. Boy, we're not hollow, folks. If you're saved and know Christ is your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you to guide you into truth, to guide you into make good decisions, to guide you to live spiritually and godly in this present world. He makes all the difference. Have a vision. You can't be like Jesus if you don't know who Jesus is. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed this morning. Our eyes are closed. We need to understand if we don't have a vision, we're going to dry up. We're going to wither up. And we're going to die spiritually in our lives. We need, let me tell you what this world needs. It needs Jesus. Let me tell you what our government needs. It needs Jesus. Let me tell you what our education system needs. It needs Jesus. Let me tell you what our churches need. They need Jesus. So what we need is Christ. Place your faith and your hope in Christ and Christ alone. If you're not saved this morning, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior, place your faith in Him. He'll save you this morning. He promised He would. Trust Him. Depend upon Him. That's what faith is. And if you're saved this morning and you know Christ is your Savior, then walk every single day with Him. He'll never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's dependable. He's trustworthy. So trust Him today. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, piano and organ playing this morning, a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come this morning? Trust Him this morning. Place your faith in Him this morning. Have a vision for 2022, a vision of who Jesus Christ is. We get that vision from the Word of God. Trust His Word to guide you. If you need to come for whatever reason as the instruments play this morning you come.